Welcome to a bonus episode of Life Giver Military Spouse Podcast. This is Corey Weathers, and I'm thrilled to share with you a military spouse journey. For the next week, I'm going to join the Secretary of Defense as he travels to visit the troops in the Middle East for his holiday tour. Join me as we go on this ride on how it changes me, my marriage, and hopefully how it can better yours. Hi, everyone. Welcome to day two of a military spouse journey. I am so excited um, for several reasons. One, I finally got day one's video up and it took a lot of work and I the Wi-Fi here um, is, is not great. Um, and you know, what would this be <laughs> if I didn't have tech technology problems? <laughs> so um, I think it's just as grist for the mill. And if I'm going to trade places with my spouse and experience what it's like in the Middle East, then, well, I should have some technology problems. So um, I'm just thrilled that I got it up. It's a little bit grainy. And who knows, this one's probably going to be grainy too. <laughs> because I'm having to reduce the file size to get it uploaded so you can see it, but um, but it's up, yay! Just in time for me to do day two. So um, I have so much to share with you today. It just was an incredible day, and I'm gonna have to look at my notes so that I can remember everything. But it was, it was an incredible day, despite at least half the day's act things that were planned got canceled because we thought that there was going to be bad weather and we were supposed to um, go up in some helicopters and and do some things and go some places and then that got canceled which settled me in Baghdad for the day and um, but you know I am so grateful to even have this opportunity to even see Baghdad that um, I just loved every second of it so um, so I, I wanted to kind of walk you through a few things that, um, have just really been standing out for me. Um, I'm really trying hard. I'm considered one of the press right now because I'm a correspondent for Military Spouse Magazine. Yay! Who, um, has made this possible for me to be here. And, um, I'm so thankful for that. This is just a life-changing opportunity and I'm hoping it changes other people's lives too. And, um... So I'm considered one of the press, um, but I'm not your normal press. And so they've never had a military spouse before that's just coming along for the ride and experiencing what, um, let me make sure my audio is working, we're good, um, who's just had a military spouse to tag along. And so I'm not your normal press. I'm like, there's AP and CBS News and um, Wall Street Journal and LA Times are all, are all here and obviously... I'm not reporting on necessarily the policy that's going on and the politics and and um, I'm trying really hard because it's all so interesting and I'm learning so much and it makes me think about how we as military spouses are, you know, basically all of civilians, I think we do the best that we can to educate ourselves on what's going on in the world. And all we have is really the news. And if we are in the military, then we kind of learn from our spouses telling us what's going on. But um, I, I tried to not feel too bad about the fact that I don't understand it all and being surrounded by these journalists who know just the ins and outs of, of everything in Iraq and 
in Turkey and, and anywhere else is um, I had moments where I felt really insecure, like, boy, I should really know this already. Um, but then I just kind of took a step back and said, you know, I am here to represent military spouses. And I think that um, unless you're just really huge into the world's topics and into politics and and all of that's going on, it's really hard to stay on top of it. And so I kind of sat back and said, you know, I think I'm probably like the average military spouse that only understands whatever we hear on the news and, and the best that we can kind of piece everything together and understand it. And so I reminded myself that I'm not here to report on policy and, and all of that. I'm here to experience this from a spouse perspective, um, knowing that my soldier has has been deployed and so what is that like for me so um so i mean it's been overwhelming on those kinds of things and um and so um i also want to say that i know that there are military spouses who are prior service and active duty we have dual um dual couples that's both serve um, dual military couples and so I want to just say uh, and put a caveat out there that I'm in this situation representing a lot of the military spouses who don't have prior service experience. Um, if you read my blog that I put out, I guess it would have been yesterday or, or today for you, that, um, that I acknowledge that, that, that the mil dual military couples really understand something that those of us who aren't or haven't been in the military, we don't get, we don't understand. And so this is my opportunity to really represent those spouses and see it through um, our eyes as we try to understand what it's like um, and uh, what, uh, what our service member goes through. So here's, um, it's not really a top 10 or anything, but I'm going to do my best to kind of just zip through some things that have really stood out to me. And again, I'm writing some things as well and I'm hope to expand on them more, but these are, this is just kind of a gist, a gist so that I'm not keeping you here too long. Um, so first of all, motorcades in Bahrain are no joke. Like <laughs> every time we go to the airport or come into the airport, I mean, this is just a side note, uh, just my experience of traveling with the secretary of defense, which has been amazing. And the people are amazing. Um, is that boy, the drivers get really excited to bring us back and forth from the airport. <laughs> it's kind of scary at times, but it's a lot of fun too. So, uh, no joke really like way too fast. Um, I think I've, uh, another thing is that I've really, I'm really getting to experience this hurry up and wait, this hurry up and wait. And I, I know we kind of experienced that back at home with, um, having to relocate and get orders and all of that. Um, but here, you know, it's this, you know, we were supposed to fly to Baghdad and then we were supposed to get in some helicopters and, and go to an undisclosed location um, that they didn't tell us this morning. And then the weather wasn't good. And then that the helicopters got canceled. And then the SECDEF was able to travel and do his meeting, but the press wasn't because we couldn't get the helicopters together in time. And just so what ended up happening is we were just kind of there in Baghdad um, all day. And um and it was great. I mean, we kind of got to slow down a little bit and I had Wi-Fi access at least the one time I didn't bring my computer and brought other things um, to, and that's where I just really enjoyed tweeting and um, doing what I could to write ahead of time. But there's so many other things that, um, that stood out to me while I was there that really made a huge difference, even though I didn't get to travel and do these other things. Um, so, 
as far as like the jet lag, you know, Matt said to me in a text this morning that um, by the time I get home, I'll probably have adjusted to the time here. And I think he's probably right. Like I had four hours of sleep again last night that were kind of off and on. And um, I really am getting to see just um, what it's like to get here very quickly and then try to adjust to that. And I can only imagine what that's going to be like to go home and have kids who are already on a different time schedule. And so that's going to be quite a transition. I know I mentioned that last time. Um, the, let's see. Oh, there's so much. Okay. So I'm just going to go through my list and not try to put them in any order. So I think by far one of the biggest things that has been really awesome is seeing all the branches work together. Like yesterday I saw a lot of the Air Force and today was a lot of Air Force too just because, you know, we had to fly in on a C-17, which is a massive plane. Um, and so I got to speak to the crew um, going there and coming back. And, um, but getting, you know, then I got to be briefed with the press um, with Colonel Warren here in, Af in, uh, in Iraq and him sharing a lot of what they're trying to do. And, um, and it was just a really neat opportunity for me to see everybody, all the branches work together. And we all know that they do, but I think that when we are in the military and we are in army or we're in air force or we're in Navy, we get so excited and proud to be part of that branch that, um, we just don't know how the puzzle pieces fit together. And so getting to see, getting to be part of an experience where they, the Air Force flies me in and then I get to hear how the Army is, is doing what they're doing um, with boots on the ground. And then I get to see the Marines over, uh, over here and what they're doing and just everything fits together. And I know that, but just seeing it is completely different because sometimes when you're stationed somewhere, it's really just a lot of times, most of one branch. I know that's changing a little bit, but most of one branch. So that has just been wonderful for me. And I have so much pride um, in all the branches now in a way that I couldn't before. Um, so a big part of my day was the C-17. And for a couple of reasons, I know I've mentioned that my dad was an Air Force pilot. Um, but Matt had come home and shared with me several times about some experiences that he had had on a C-17. Um, one, you know, I've seen images and I've heard him talk about ramp ceremonies and, and of just bringing some of the, um, killed in action home and knowing that I was on a plane and I could see with my own eyes, uh, what, where he had been and visualizing that in my head made a huge difference because this, this plane is so big. And I know you guys have seen pictures of, of these planes that are so big that are filled with so many caskets. And so to sit in this space that was so big and, and, and realize how, just how big that is, was, um, quite humbling. And, um, you know, I pictured Matt, doing what he does and saying goodbye to some of his friends. And, um, and it just breaks my heart in, on so many levels. And so he also described coming home from the second deployment, having to kind of catch a ride and ended up being in a C-17, having to sleep underneath a Blackhawk. I think it was a Blackhawk, um, but sleeping under one of those to get home. And I just felt for a moment, I felt for so many reasons, just kind of being stitched back together with him 
getting to be part of something, maybe not in the same moment in time, but being part of something um, where I could experience a small piece of it and understand him a little bit better. Um, as I was on the way there, I went and I know you saw a couple pictures of me speaking to the crew and um, they're just wonderful people. Um, all of the people that I've met are wonderful. Um, just to be able to hear them talk about um, their life and I asked them, what do you feel like you need from your family members? What do you feel like they don't tend to understand? And um, I've heard a lot um, actually from the people that I've been talking to is that, that they feel like family members and spouses don't quite understand what it's like to mentally and physically be all into something and needing to be all into something. And, and when you watch them work to see them be completely focused, regardless of whether or not they've had sleep or not, um, for them to then come home, and I think family members ask them to be engaged all of a sudden and jump right back in, and that, that that's how difficult that is, and that they need a good day or so to decompress and, and maybe not have too much expected to, from them until they can rest and kind of um, be able to plug in. And I thought about that in my own life, and I, I can look back um, to times when Matt had left and then come home. And I was so excited to have him home that um, I know that I asked him a ton of questions and I um, bombarded him and I, and I know he was excited to be around me too. And, um, and I don't want to say that that's not important, but having that respect of just going, hey, what do you need and what do you need? And, and that is hard as military spouses. I get it because especially if they've been gone for a long time, we're so tired. And what we want to do is hand the kids off <clears throat> and we want to go take a break. And I know that sometimes the military tells us, hey, not, not yet. It's not your turn yet. And that that's really discouraging. Um, I used to be very bitter about that. Um, and frustrated by that, but seeing them work as hard as they're working, um, and, and the kinds of missions that they're doing, um, I have a broader understanding of it now. And, um, I, I feel a respect that I want to give my own husband, um, that it's not that I didn't respect him before, but that I want to serve him in a new and different way. And I want to respect that and give him the time that he needs to recover. Um, of course, we're all, we're talking everything in balance here. So we're not talking about, um, you know, service members that come home and, and lose themselves in video games or alcohol or some of the unhealthy things and don't re-engage re and don't plug into the family. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a period of time for them to rest and um, be prepared to jump back in when they're ready and to be able to then talk about all of their experiences. So um, I look back and I don't regret it because I didn't know it, um, but I do look back and I, um, I have learned something about that. And um, I so appreciate what all of our troops do and how hard they work. Um, it's, it's really a wonderful thing to see. And I'm so proud to be part of all of it. Um, so a, a huge thing, uh, I, I talked initially about um, really paying attention to what I see and hear and feel and, and trying to convey that to you. Um, when I got off the plane at, at Baghdad, um, it was like I just inhaled dust. 
now I know I just got off a plane, but, um, that was all day. It just was, it was funny. Cause I, as I stood around troops, it smelled like when my husband came home from <laughs> deployment. Sorry, Matt, but I think they all smell the same way. It's just dust. <laughs> and, um, so that was kind of the first thing that hit me. And, um, other than the massive amount of secret service that's all over the place right now, um, which I'm so thankful to, I, I spent a good, good portion of my day watching them. And that's, that's a tough job. So, um, I noticed how I remember soldiers telling me how when they come home, there's so much color and there's, you know, perfumes that they smell all of a sudden and sounds that they hear all of a sudden. And, um, and I, I understand that when I went to Baghdad, everything was khaki, camo, gray, cement walls, gravel everywhere. Even the inside of the buildings were just these plain stark walls. No, I mean, there was a couple pictures, but I mean, that was part of um, a kind of more public space. But for the most part, um, everything was pretty dismal. And um, I'm so glad that Matt made me buy a pair of hiking boots for this trip because walking on the gravel back and forth everywhere and through the mud. Um, I, I was really thankful to not be in heels. Not that I was planning on wearing heels, but, <laughs> um, I was thankful to, um, to, to have the boots that I had, but I've had several people who have come home with almost like a traumatic thought of if they hear gravel again, or they hear gravel boots walking in the gravel, um, footsteps in their dreams because it's everywhere. Um, uh, we went into the DFAC in eight and I was somewhat surprised at how big it was. I wasn't sure if it was going to be a tent. Of course, this is Baghdad, so it's going to be bigger, but, um, it was a huge room with like, wow, five different sections of everything you could think of salad bar and a healthy food section, which was not that healthy today, but, um, they had um, an international section of foods. They had ice cream, which was awesome. I was really in the mood for that. Um, and coffee, which I missed out on. Um, but just a huge room of anything that you could think of to eat. And I know a lot of our spouses wonder, what are they eating over there? And I know some places that have omelet stations for breakfast where you can um, get as healthy of an omelet as you want. And so really the options were endless. Um, the other thing that stood out to me that Colonel Warren had pointed out, I, there were so many different uniforms in the DFAC. And when I asked him, um, you know, to explain that to me, there was 18 different coalition partnership forces that were eating in the DFAC. So, or at least not all of them in the DFAC, but that's how many you might see. And so I know that a big part of our mission right now is to partner with allies and build our partnerships with um, a coalition partnership. And, um, but to hear that there's like 18 different ones that are all working together, um, that's not only sad that we have to practically get the world together to fight this ISIL problem, but, um, but on the positive side that we can work together and that's great. Um, so there were special forces in there and there was all kinds of people in there. So that was interesting too. Um, I'm getting to the end. Um, the last thing that I want to express to you is really to our military leaders. And so spouses, if you are married to a military leader, this is really something that I would love to convey to, um, to all of our leaders. Uh, I'm reflecting a lot, and this is going to be a big something that I push when I push out, when I get home, 
Um, I really want to encourage our military leaders to give spouses and give military families a picture. Now, spouses can't, we can't afford to fly, and it's not a good idea to fly spouses out to the Middle East so they can see what I get to see. But, um, but we can do things that are free. And I think that what this whole thing is about that I'm going through is giving people this opportunity to um, see a picture that we normally don't see. And I, wanted, I want to talk to you about how can you do that at home. We know that we're losing funding for family programs. And that's, that can frustrate a lot of us. But families have done it before without funding and have figured out a way and so will we. Um, but there's free things that we can do to give spouses a picture. It's things like take them out into the field, at least your leaders, your FRG leaders, your key spouses, um, take them out into the field and show them um, what the mission is. Um, when you do have them together, educate them in as easy of, as an, as, see if I can say this, in as easy of an understanding way as possible. Um, explain to them the mission. Explain to your families the role that your brigade, your unit, your group, your whatever you are, um, whatever it is that you're doing, explain to your families the part that you play and how you're going to do it. Now, I, I know we're not talking about giving away um, top secret information, but helping spouses have perspective and context to what the mission is gives them this feeling like, they're part of something bigger than themselves. And so never underestimate the power of the small stuff. Um, walk them into the DFAC. Um, do more of these family days where they get to um, look inside a helicopter or in some of the vehicles or whatever you can to give them an accurate picture. Because when we give them an accurate picture, when we as spouses have a more accurate picture. It's kind of like what I said about being in the C-17. Um, for a moment, even though my husband wasn't there, I felt connected. I felt like this gap that I didn't know existed between me and him somehow closed. And that is so powerful when your soldier comes home different and you and so many of our families come home, our service members come home different. And we accept that. And it's such an honor and a privilege to be spouses and family members that serve our soldiers, so that, or service members, so we can serve our country. But if our service members are going to come home different, then spouses get, having a better picture of the mission that they are playing or did play is huge in their ability to accept what is now. Um, that has changed in their marriage and changed in their family so that they can then be still part of a greater, bigger mission of healing their family and continuing to support the bigger mission. We all want to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And so giving them this picture makes a huge difference. Finally, I know this is a long one today. Who knows? These may just get longer and I'm okay with that. You don't have to watch the whole thing. But um, finally, on the way back tonight, I got to go up into the cockpit of the C-17 and, and have a wonderful talk with the pilots there. And, and I asked them the same question I'm asking everybody, which is, you know, what, what do they feel like spouses don't understand? And it was, it was some of the same as far as needing time to rest and decompress and, 
and what it was like, you know, he pointed out, um, which I didn't think about all day was that, um, when you're over here, there's no children unless you're maybe in a remote place in Afghanistan where you're around Afghani children or whatever. But for the most part, um, our service members aren't around children all day. And so there's no little people running around. And so what that's, it's not just the sounds that they're coming home to when we're suddenly re-entering the family and there's tons of, of children running around and squealing and making noises. Um, but having that picture of um, they, they're working with adults all day long and um, long spaces of time working. Um, but as I sat in the cockpit and, and got to look at the lights of Saudi Arabia and, um, and, and just take in that experience, I asked one of the pilots um, who were saying how lucky they were that they were going to be home for Christmas because the plane that was behind us um, was not going to be home for Christmas. Um, I asked the pilot, you know, what's, what's the most beautiful thing that you look forward to, um, looking out the window of your cockpit? Um, and his answer was home. And, um, just was the best answer ever. So anyways, I wanted to end on that note. I told you it was going to be a raw, <laughs> um, a raw video journal. So there you go. Um, I'm having a great time and I'm so excited about tomorrow. It's going to be filled with lots more things and I can't wait to share them with you. So I hope that you will continue watching and sharing and, um, and I look forward to great things to come. So have a great day. I'm going to bed. <laughs>